It's Common Sense Ohio. We're missing one today, though, but that's okay because Norm and I will take the reins. Uh, Steve out doing his job, making money. It is uh, the 6th of October. I am noticing so much less light in the morning now. I hate this. <laughs> I love the light in the morning. Wakes you up, you hear the birds singing, leave the windows open. And it's like, man, fall's coming, fall's coming. Is this know. the uh, is this the year we lose um, daylight savings? Like, Yeah, did- I don't think that ever passed. I don't oh. think that ever. I thought it did. But I don't know. I mean, I've got I thought to, it did too. I've got to take a look at that because yeah. I thought this was the last time we're going to change time. But I don't know whether that really. So or not. we are changing. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think so. I All think right. so. But um, but anyway, well, don't come here for news, people. I know <laughs> news that's that stuff that's not that hard to figure out exactly. Uh, we do want to give a big shout to our sponsor, Harper and Company. Harper's. Uh, Certified public accountants. They are at harpercpaplus.com. Tell you what, if um, you're an entrepreneur and you really want to tap into your greatness, these are the people to talk to. Um, It's not just doing the numbers. It's actually sitting down and talking about your business and how you can figure out growth and where you are. And it's not just an annual meeting. It can be monthly. It can be quarterly. um, Depending on your style and how you want to fit it in. But they're going to help you run your business. like you've never seen before. Uh, I use them. Steve uses them. Um, I, I think both of us really consider them a, a business partner. Um, and they're a business partner to you too because they hold you accountable to things. They make you think. Um, and it goes way beyond the numbers. So I think that's it's the new level of what an accountant ought to be. But they are at harpercpaplus.com. And also check out their podcast, Empowering Entrepreneurs, which is um, – Recorded right here in Studio 511. Now, Steve usually goes into a World War II, what happened today in World War II. I, I'm not going to go that way, but I, I brought this book up to him actually in our last episode that um, I just happened to find. My wife said, uh, books all over the place. But um, I happened to catch this on a pile of books, um, and it caught my eye more because Steve talking about World War II stuff every week is it's a book called When Books Went to War, the stories that helped us win World War II. It's by Molly Guptill Manning, and um, the, the premise of it is – I'm just going to read the. It's such an interesting book that when America entered World War II in 1941, we faced an enemy that had banned and burned more than 100, 100 million books and caused fearful citizens to hide or destroy many more. Outraged librarians launched a campaign to send free books to American troops and gathered 20 million hardcover donations – But something more was needed, books that soldiers could carry in their pockets and uh, rucksacks on bombing runs and aboard ships in every theater of a war that was waged around the globe. In 1943, the War Department and the publishing industry stepped in with an extraordinary program, 120 million small, lightweight paperbacks, extremely inexpensive and covering every conceivable subject and genre of interest to millions of servicemen. And the premise behind that is these guys are in foxholes. They're in training. They're they're in situations that they've got a lot of downtime and they have nothing to do with they they want to read. And that's why this became so popular. Steve had not heard about it. It is really, really interesting read. It's called When Books Went to War. If you want want to pick that up, it's just another ass World War II is so layered. So many layers to it because you know, we talked about this last week a little bit. We can, you know, we'll we'll get off the stick here in a second. But you know, when was the last time, and we both know the answer to this, that the whole world was affected by one thing. It touched everybody's lives. COVID. 
So, you know, it, it, that was just an extraordinary situation. Um, I don't know if you can relate the two necessarily, but it is on that level of everyone in the world was touched by World War II. Yeah. You know, and World War One too, of course, but uh, two seemed to be kind of escalated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, you know, to a, to another level of what in the hell is going on with our world. The practical uses of books in World War Two are well documented. Um, so after you read the little book, it would be useful as toilet paper. Mm, sure. And there's yeah. many biographies and autobiographies where books also saved somebody's life, a family Bible, um, uh, you know, a small uh, travel Bible. Often, I mean, it's happened. Mm -hmm. It happened. I, I've probably read uh, a couple dozen books where some soldier is documented as receiving a bullet into his uh, traveling Bible in his pocket yeah. and uh, takes it home, shows the family, you know, here's a slug that, but for that uh, book being in my top left pocket, yeah. I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's book, interesting. Books. And of course, the literature that came out of uh, World War II is, uh, you know, Ernie Pyle's books, mm -hmm. um, some of which were written during the war. Um, you know, there's some epic. Uh, epic literature, yeah. yeah. So uh, just a, just another aspect from of the that. War. Just from another, that thing, yeah, I don't. I don't know if we have epic yeah. literature from COVID. We we <laughs> well, <laughs> we weren't really called upon to sacrifice. Uh, we, seem seem like uh, peep, between the PPP and everything else, it was just one huge bailout that our uh, our children yet to be born are going to end up paying for. I mean, yeah. we're at thirty four trillion in a couple of months of uh national debt and uh making a little transition here. Yeah, go for it. Yes. Perfect transition. <laughs> uh, go for it. So uh yeah. Um yeah. Yep. the speaker fight in DC is, you know, Ohio uh touched because just today or perhaps over overnight, um former President Trump has fully endorsed without reservation Jim Jordan uh, to become this new speaker. I was wondering if that was going to happen. It did happen. Yeah. Um, there was talk about Trump himself being recruited to be speaker, which frankly would have been incredibly entertaining. We talked about that in a previous episode about that it does not have to be an elected official no. to sit in that position. That no. would be so interesting they of could, a scenario. They could call you, Brett, or yeah. they could call me, or they could call Dan Wouldn't over there. Wouldn't that be an interesting the situation? Board. Yeah, they could call anybody, yeah. and uh, if they receive a majority of votes, they're the speaker. Mm. We have had uh, presidents in the past be, be Speaker of the House. Uh, the one example that I can think of was William Howard Taft, I believe, was Speaker. He was president, and he was also on the U.S. Supreme Court, so he did all three. He did it all. If, yeah. if I'm recalling I think you're correctly. right, yeah. So um, it's not unprecedented for it to happen. Trump would be, I mean, that would have been in, an incredible. So yeah. he's got all these trials, right? He's running for reelection. Yeah. And being Speaker of the House, I that might have been just a bridge too far. Possibly. A little World War II. Yeah, right. Illusion. Right. Exactly, exactly. So um, I, I want to talk about this, and, and you may not agree, and that's good. Let's, mm. you know, let's have mm -hmm. it out. Uh, so the general reaction to, 
what has been referred to as the hateful eight or whatever, as if these eight people who eight Republicans who revolted and uh, called for Kevin McCarthy's uh, to vacate his speakership. The general consensus is that that we we've been plunged into chaos, uh, that it was immature, <clears throat> irresponsible, uh, that you know uh, Washington D.C. grinding to a halt is some big horror thing, and um, as you know from my blog, yeah. I see it completely different. I, I mean, I was listening to Hugh Hewitt. I've listened to Glenn Beck. I've I've listened to all the traditional, you know, what you would think of as libertarian, conservative, uh, you know, uh, rock rib Neanderthal Republicans. I've I've listened to a bunch of them, and they're all basically saying the same corporate thing that this is horrible for the Republican Party, and I really don't think so. So so here's my mm-hmm. take. I I believe that what is called upon right now with the country falling apart in real time with 8 million undocumented illegals coming across that, that the border patrol knows of and the border patrol says roughly it's the actual numbers twice that. So if you believe that, if you believe we're somewhere between 15 to 16 illegals, half of which are known, half of which are gotaways, uh, that is the tenth largest state in the United States. Fifteen million people would be the tenth largest state. So that's an outrageous number of people in just three years to come into the country. That's one problem. We've got thirty-four trillion dollars worth of debt. During that, the little speaker vote that they had, the Office of Management and Budget said during that one day, our debt went up. $250 billion in, in that 24-hour period. Mm. I mean, we are this kind, and, and then, of course, we can't tell who a man is and who a woman is. and I mean, just all the other ridiculous, non-focused, just as a culture, we're not focused on practical things. And it seems to me that if you have a spendthrift in the family, Brett, what's the responsible thing to do? You get them a guardian and you take the checkbook away, right. right? Right. Because they can't control their spending. And if they don't control their spending, it's not just a theoretical thing. If the government runs out of money, it, it you know, it, and now, of course, the interest rates are higher and higher because the government is having a harder and harder time finding somebody to buy the bonds. I mean, what rich Arabs or what Chinese businessman or government wants to buy U.S. bonds at this point unless you pay some kind of higher-than-market interest rate on it? Mm-hmm. So we're in this death spiral as a country, and the result of that will be all public services at some point, right, when the government cannot borrow anymore— and if it just goes into a, a Weimar Republic printing spree and just prints, you know, double or triple the currency we have, well, then your dollar is going to be worth 30 cents and then 10 cents. And then pretty soon, like the Germans before World War II, it'll be useful as wallpaper or toilet paper. Like it won't have any value. And we don't want to get there. So some adult, some there needs to be, we need to come to terms as a country with our budget 
and with international threats, whether it's China, you know, wanting to take over Taiwan, whether it's the war in Ukraine, which we're in it, you know, we're yeah. sending tanks, yes, we are. you know, and he's, he's talking, you know, the president's talking about sending jets and NATO countries have, has sent jets and helicopters and their tanks. Uh, I mean, once again, you have German leopard tanks, right? Operating on Ukrainian soil. Well, that hasn't happened in 75 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, the world's out of control. And so, okay. The theory is that Matt Gates and these upstart Republicans all acted out out of personal animus to Kevin McCarthy. They don't like Kevin McCarthy. That's the theory. And so the theory is that they, that, you know, the line is, the corporate line is that they threw, they threw some kind of revolt out of just a, you know, they, they threw a fit, they threw a tantrum. Well, that's not what they did at all. And I, and, and I'm not saying I like Matt Gates or the other seven. It, this has nothing to do with their personalities or whether I like them. But what we need to have is we need to confront the other side as as tough as they confront our side. You know, the the other side of our budget mess, the Democrat Party, those folks hammer and hammer. They're relentless about we have to fund this program and that program and the other program. And it's and they are relentless about it. And the Republicans always do a continuing resolution, and they always just go along because the newspaper editors or the talking head class or the uh, corporate welfare recipients like Lockheed Martin and Tesla and all the other ones that 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 get paid off by by taxpayer money. They all want the government to just continue to plod on, and they don't seem to think that there's any end to the largesse. And we, we're at a point where I think, as regrettable as it would be, a government shutdown until the other side caves in. And what does that mean? What did Kevin McCarthy violate in terms of his promises to these to the Freedom Caucus, which Jim Jordan, by the way, was one of the founding members. So he didn't vote against Kevin McCarthy, but look, he may be the speaker. And he he is part of that group of eight philosophically, even though he didn't vote with them. So what did they want? What did Kevin McCarthy not do that caused this? Well, what he didn't do is he didn't break down the budget, which the House, you know, the budget process starts in the House. Doesn't start in the White House or the Senate. Starts in the House. Kevin McCarthy's the Speaker of the House. What they wanted was the twelve sub budgets of the federal budget to each be individually debated and voted on. Mm-hmm. So we have a Department of Justice, where, which is there is no doubt now. Okay, because because of Elon Musk's, you know, the 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 Twitter files. There is no doubt that the Department of Justice has tried to suppress Americans' free speech. That's on the record. I mean, there's been meetings, there's transcripts, there's witnesses. So there, just take that department. Reform is needed in the Department of Justice. Uh, the, the entire Trump-Russia you know, collusion hoax, the fact that they have not prosecuted Hunter Biden appropriately, the fact that they haven't investigated uh, Joe Biden's 
network of uh, graft and corruption. Uh, There's something like 1,200 flagged banking deposits. None of that's been investigated. Nothing's been done. And and yet Trump's in court in, what, six different places. So clearly there's two standards of justice. So they wanted to address that department in a sub-budget. And and then, of course, the Department of Defense, the Department of Education. You go down the line. There is a lot of waste, a lot of corruption, a lot of unnecessary things in all of these departments. And so what did the Freedom Caucus want? They wanted those budgets to be each individually uh, not litigated, but debated and, and fleshed out and give an opportunity for up-down votes on each of those budgets and to have amendments in each of those budgets and to grind it out like hamburger. Well, that is, Kevin McCarthy did what Nancy Pelosi did. He, he lumped it all together in a continuing resolution and kicked the can down the road, whatever it is, Brett, 45 mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Right, right before Thanksgiving. And now they're talking. I just heard Jim Jordan. God bless Jim Jordan. But I heard him on the radio today, and he's talking about a continuing resolution. And that is not what we need. You know, as much as I like Jim Jordan, and as, you know, we need the entire process to come to a screeching halt. And I won't get my Social Security check. And other people won't get their, you know, support checks or whatever. I'm willing to take the hit. You know, I'm sure Lockheed Martin's not willing to take the hit. But, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, the, at the grassroots level, something's got to give. We, we have to get back to, you know, we have to get back to a balanced budget. We have to get out of some of these hot wars and some of these places where we don't have a, a clear national interest. Does that mean tragedy will ensue for places like Ukraine? Well, it already has. And we're, we're deeply involved now. And, and hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of Ukrainians are already dead. So I, I don't know if we're helping or hurting by our participation. But, you know, um, that's my perspective. I don't see this as chaos. I see this as the sooner we address this, the sooner the system comes to a halt and the calliope crashes to the ground and, you know, all the keys fly and all the springs fly hither and thither, then we can put this monster back together yeah. again. I, you know, and I would have to agree. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think it comes down to if we have to take a, there's never a good time to, to address this. I mean, That's this, true. The, the, these eight, That's could, true. these eight could be talking about it in May. It would have fallen on deaf ears. The only time you get attention to something this drastic is at this point in juncture. When it's when it's a crisis. When it's a crisis. Right. And uh, and that's when you have your leverage. Yes, exactly. That's when that's when the that's when you stare the other side down across the table and say, "Hey, listen, if you want to maintain the benefits that welfare recipients are getting now, we're willing to to sustain that, mm-hmm. but but you can't have an increase. It's like the UAW workers. Hey, the ex big three car companies. To make an analogy, mm-hmm. right? They're teetering. They've already been bankrupt, right? Right. The Chrysler was bankrupt. GM was bankrupt. Ford sold everything to avoid bankruptcy. They used to own Volvo, Mazda, a bunch of brands. So, the big three which are not the big three anymore. It's Volkswagen and Toyota people and Honda and Nissan. I mean, the big three are not the big three. 
and they are and and they're being forced to convert to electric vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. The UAW wants thirty to forty percent raise in the face of their employers basically on on the verge of going out of business, right. and we're looking at the same kind of irrationality. This is my opinion with the federal government. Yeah, I agree uh, that uh, to do the hard stuff, you got to do the hard work. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, a lot of it is the spin. It's a lot of it's the packaging of whether it's the eight doing it or whoever, but just saying, if this is not done now, this is what it will look like down the road. I think we're the American public is smart enough to understand watering it down for us. Yes, it's a very complicated situation. Like you said, there are 12 pieces to this of looking at, okay, tear this apart. And it's going to take some time, but maybe it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Get the right people in the right room and just say, you're not going to get this, but you can have this. You can't have this, but you can have this. Let's figure it out. Right. And it all, to me, it, you know, what, what it comes down to is that they don't want to lose their base. They don't want to lose their vote. They don't want to get voted out. But it's like, sometimes you got to do the hard stuff. This isn't, being elected is not a lifetime thing. Shouldn't, do, shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Look at Joe Biden. It, it was right, for him. Right, right. Do, do the right thing now. Right. And right. and hopefully what Jim Jordan is saying that he would look at a continuance is, okay, we we have to, but we're going to do this. Let's hope. Let's yeah. hope. I, you know, we can't read his mind. We don't know. But he can't be happy with the way. I, the would bu- think I mean, he's not. a but he's a budget hawk. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, the talking heads keep talking about these continuing resolutions as, you know, well, it's a practical thing, you know. And, you know, if this was if this was your household budget, the practical thing would be hey, you know what? We're not buying a new car for about 10 years. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. And and we're and we're going to, you know, like the number one thing that we need to pay every month is our mortgage mm-hmm. and food. Like like you're right down to the essentials of what your household needs. And I think we're at that point with our government. We are we are at the point where we need we don't need studies on uh What's that thing Alex Jones always talks about? Gay frogs, right? <laughs> whatever. Oh, whatever. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't need any more frou-frou, uh, ridiculous spending. I, I heard somebody, what was it, AOC wanted to spend a million dollars to build a basketball court. And then Jesse Waters show, he, they found a contractor that would do it for 75000 But I mean, I'm not picking on AOC. There are, every member of Congress has this pork that's in the budget, right. that's crazy money, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just a micro example. I, you know, Biden this week waved his magic wand and wants to give away $9 billion in student loan forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? Just this week. Now, you know, in one day, the federal deficit went up, OMB said, $250 billion. So, so, so people look at Biden's $9 billion in weight, you know, eliminating some of the student loans and they go, Oh, well that's nothing. That's basically like a half an hour out of the day, 9 billion, but, but it, adds, it up. adds, dude, it adds up. And this is, this is the thing. Everybody seems to have a permission slip right. to put crap into this omnibus. It's just, it's just a little, it's, it's just, just a little. little. And then yeah. Troy Balderson or Jim Jordan or whoever the Congressman is can come back home mm-hmm. and say, Oh, Hey, I got you an Intel chips act. Right. right. Or whatever it is. Well, and you're also. Oh, by the way, Jordan voted against the chips. Yeah, which hasn't even, <laughs> hasn't even been dispersed yet. Yeah. 
Right. It hasn't even I just saw that this week. It's like, oh my gosh, Intel's, you know, breaking ground, got the cement oh, yeah. laid. Right. They only have they don't have a dime from that yet. Though yeah. of course it'll come their way, but they all they all apply for it. But going back to that, you know, the the, the money being the, the college loan thing is is a perfect example of just this. I read two examples. where was it? The WAPO or something like that. Two examples of like, oh my gosh, these two these two college people. With the, with, you know, they, they, they've inherited all that, you know, they have all this debt, which they made their choice to do to, to say signed on the bottom line at 18 years old, which is another sin in itself, you know, but it, they're talking about, well, we have to give this up. We have to give that. I have to give up thinking about traveling around the world. I have to think about not going out and watching movies. Right. Like real life's coming into play, isn't it? Right. That that, uh, that that was the example. Yeah. But, Those so, are the examples of, oh, if I can't get my loan washed off, right. I can't travel the world. Right. Has nothing else as to do with thing. You as know. if you and I decided their ceramics major or whatever major they chose, God bless them. Yeah. If they want to major in ceramics, I don't have a problem with that. But dude, it's your decision. Right. You decided to major in yeah. ceramics and then you graduated and you're like, Wow. I can't get a job making Navajo uh, jugs. Well, no. A, you're not Navajo, and B, there's not a lot of demand for modern Navajo jugs. Right, exactly. And, and so, it, like, why did you choose that as a major? Yeah, and we're teaching them, like, hey, just take that's out the on, loan. Uh, that's on the— That's on them. That's on them. And with this, we're teaching them that, okay, yeah— we're going to wipe off the loan. Don't worry about it. Right. The PPP stuff. I mean, we all walked into that. And every time I signed on the dotted line for a PPP loan, I was expecting I was going to have to pay that back. Absolutely. I, I, right. I, I, that was a overnight Absolutely. losing some sleep over. Right. Can, can I right. pay this back? And, and both times I said, I can do this. Right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll so budget you, it out. But I'm it, not asking a number, but I'm sure because of that, you you chose a very modest amount. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas it, it was there, why not? Knowing I'll pay it back. I'm sure it'll be maybe interest-free or right. maybe a low interest. That was what right. was talked about at the time. Of course. Going, okay, I can do that because right. I what I was going to do was spend that money on someone, something for right. my business. Right. I was going to. It, right. it was earmarked to continue my business moving forward. That was the thesis, right? Yeah. And then other people looking at that program they decided because business was so bad that they couldn't take on more debt. They couldn't see mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel, like like when your restaurant is closed, right. right? And you don't even know if you can reopen it. And you're the restaurant owner and you're looking at this PPP application. You might be thinking, oh, hell, I'm, I'm, I'm in debt now, 15,000 bucks. I can't sign this loan agreement that says I'm, probably going to have to pay it back within I mean, three to five years i that's, think that's what the terms yeah. were something like that when i don't yeah. even know if i'm going to reopen it uh, yeah exactly so there were people who declined to take ppp and it turns out they're all the suckers not mm. you know yeah. almost by design because they didn't bring that extra money into their household that then with a wave of the federal wand was forgiven and of course we all know the abuses that took mm-hmm. place we were talking about um, a couple of the uh, rock stars and yes. comedians that because they had to cancel some concerts and of course they've got you know roadies that they normally would have paid and other kinds of expenses they just said well you know my tour is 2 or 3 million dollars or 10 million dollars uh, a year in costs and I'm not 
selling tickets, so I'm going to apply for $10 million in PPP relief. And some of these people got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not like it went then. It, it didn't go to the roadies. It didn't go to anything. It was just forgiven. And, it, I mean, it's – I think some people have said that the PPP program was the single largest unaudited – flat out welfare program like 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 people on welfare have to fill out more forms they have to justify that they really need this whole thing was so out of control when they wiped away mine i had to twinge a guilt well of course it felt like of course and and because it it put a whole new perspective on okay i get where well you have a value system yeah i mean that's a that's a difference It, it was a relief of course I mean, it wasn't a big amount of money, but it wasn't going to be some stuff yeah, I was going to right, pay back. Right. But it just felt really weird. Of All course. my life, taking car loan, t- right, mortgage, right. every time somebody loans you something, it, right. it, it's you know you're going to pay it back. And it I just think, felt I've, weird. Well, I think also what that's done is so many middle class people like us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, friends of ours, you know, some of us, uh, other people that you know, maybe make more, maybe make less, whatever. We know so many people that got this handout from the federal government that it makes, it kind of conditions you to think Mm -hmm. that the government's going to take care of you, right? Yes. And so you have, you have destitute people that think they're entitled to air conditioning and cell phones and cable TV and all of the things that everybody else, I say everybody else, it's really now we're down to like fifty percent of the people take care of the other fifty percent, and you know that's one thing about this budget. Uh, somebody was calculating, forget who it was, an economist, that it used to be for every person on retirement we had something around four workers sustaining that social mm-hmm. security, you know, the outlay, and now we're down to two and a half workers, and and the boomers are. You're not even all the way through right. Social Security yet. Yeah, I just the yeah. I think it's another few years. It, yeah. it starts to, and then they're going to live. It's done. Yeah, they're going to live for twenty five. And, and I saw another piece about you know the food stamp situation in regards to that would you know with a shutdown it would have stopped that. But the the number was boggling that it was over half of American kids two to seven years old are receiving some type of food stamp allowance. I mean that's just crazy. Whether that now I I I I wanted to dig deeper into that kind of going okay is there that need which it probably is I get it but it's like well or are we talking about some waste here or 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 is it half half of American kids two to seven years old need assistance that's a mind boggling so you you remember when Clinton was president and he drastically with Newt Gingrich together mm-hmm. to, to, to work on the, I mean, that was the last time we had a, a balanced budget right. was, was during Clinton and Newt Gingrich's uh, time. And the, one of the big ways they did that is they set a calendar date limit on how long you could be on welfare mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And nobody died. Nobody starved. What happened was people got off the sofa. Like, I think it was six months. Like you, you couldn't be on public support. Support if you were able bodied, right? Okay, of course, there are we're going not to talking be limitations. We're not talking about it, it, now people in wheelchairs can do a lot of different jobs, 
But we're not even talking about that. We're right. talking about people who are actually able to walk and talk and move their arms. Yep. Six months, I think it was, and you're off welfare. Well, you borrow for unemployment. And so uh, the, the cost to the U.S. government took a nosedive right. because people got off the sofa. Now, if you just continue to pay people to stay on the sofa like we did with the PPP because COVID was going to kill everybody, you know, that was that was the popular myth. Okay. Turns out it wasn't nearly as dangerous as the health experts at first predicted. Dangerous to elderly people, people who had, you know, pre-existing uh, issues. Oh, compromised. Compromised. Yeah. And it turned sure. out, you know, the, a lot of the things they said in hindsight was inaccurate or whatever. You know, other, mm -hmm. other people would use stronger terms. But, yeah, so it, it, what I think is it's created this mindset that the federal government can take care of everything. If there's a hurricane... The very next day, somebody's there with a clipboard to build you a new house, courtesy of the federal government. Mm -hmm. Like there's this mentality yeah. now that whatever uh, hardships you encounter or tragedies, a, a true tragedy, I mean, losing your home in a hurricane is a true tragedy, I'm not discounting that. But since when does that become, uh, you know, like yeah. our burden? Right. I mean, we're in Ohio, right? Yeah. I'm in Ohio for a lot of reasons, the cost of living. Now, if I'm going to live in Miami, the cost of living is way higher. But I'm for, choosing for a reason. I'm choosing to live in Hurricane Alley. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, can you imagine if you know, we if we were to take those limits again on the welfare, that sort of thing, and let's say we kept that same budget for welfare, but you you stopped it. You stopped it at six months, and you, you spent that money on helping them find a job or like job helping train, tech schools, job training, job training that right. they've got to right. go through. Right. They've, and, I'm, and maybe that exists now. I don't vocational know. Vocational school, vocational school, whatever it whatever might be. It that right. While you're on this, you're going to sit down and we're going to help you retrain or whatever retrain. you need. Right. We're going to help you fish. Right. Versus giving you the fish. Right. And maybe that exists in some way. I don't know. I don't know anyone in welfare. I've never been in it. I don't know. But at the same time, I would assume not if we have unlimited it continues well, to go on and on. You can reapply. You can reapply. You remember uh, the good senator, uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, mm -hmm. right? Democrat. And he, at first, supported uh, the Lyndon Johnson Great Society. He was a staffer for Lyndon Johnson. Like, he helped write all that. As a senator, he ended up writing books and giving speeches about how the welfare state was the worst possible thing we did. Because as a country, we incentivized families to break up because we, under the pay schedule, if a family was together and, and, and a nuclear family, father, mother in the house, mm -hmm. right? The government supported that family to a lesser financial amount than if it was a single mother. So what, so what happened to the inner city both Appalachian and African-American families, they're being incentivized to split. And, and, and in the Section 8 housing projects, the Department of Health and Human Services actually hired contractors to knock on doors to verify that a single mother was, in fact, not cohabitating with the father. They checked. They checked on whether or not the family was really broken and you got rewarded financially 
more money if it was broken than if it was together. How do we not see I mean, this happening when we put plans together like this? I mean, Brett. How, it, 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 so, a so, moron could figure this exactly. out. He could look at the Thank paper you. going, Thank you. wait a minute, if you stay right. together, you get X amount of right. dollars. Right. If you split up, right. you get this. I, I understand that that single mom or right. dad right. needs a little bit more, but in the long run, are they going to stay right. unmarried? Sure, because there's no incentive to be married. So let's. So this is where conservatism has compassion. You know, people will refer to the inner city welfare recipients, mainly you know women with kids, and they call them welfare queens. Why well, call them welfare victims? Because but for this, just enough to survive check that they get every month. It's just it's enough to eke out kind of a really crappy existence for them, right? Yeah. But it's regular. They can count on it. It's coming every month, right? And so there's security in that, knowing every month, if I don't get a job, yeah. if, I, if I don't marry, if I just keep on what I'm doing, I, I'm on this ridiculously paltry trickle of money that comes in regularly so I can just sustain my poverty status, you yeah. know, not, not really break out of it. Yeah. And, and you know, that can't, that's cruelty. It is. And that's they, a plantation right there. It is. And you, I would assume they don't want to be in that situation. They, they it's some, some, but, it, but, some they, but they don't know how to get out of it. It's generational now. Right. Right. They, they did, Great I, society. Can't, can't Lyndon imagine. Johnson, that's a sixties. Right. We're, we're now we're now 60 70 years into, into this. it yeah you would think that they just talk about the, eliminating the human potential right. of, that person just they they're in it for the long haul but in the, their mental health their physical health as well right Beaten, their children are getting shot i mean there's know. violence and and fentanyl out yeah. there and it's yeah. just you know it's just like but the, so i think Long way around the barn. Right. I think the hateful eight, whatever they want to whatever. call them, right? The gates eight and all this stuff, all the you know the the pejoratives that are being heaped on these right. people, whether they're detestable people personally or not, I think they feel that enough of the country is like them, just sick of this. Like right. like this, the whole thing needs needs to be retuned. The entire government needs a reshuffle, and we need to get back to sanity. And people really need to take care of themselves, and that will require two things. To some degree, pulling the rug out from underneath them so that they're motivated, that they still will want to eat and still will want to have housing, and, and sometimes, you know, tough love, right? You've got to say, you know, the welfare state is getting trimmed back. But then on the other hand, we have all these job openings, right? We have Venezuelans, for God's sakes, coming up from a different continent, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. from South America. They're coming all the way through the Darien Gap, uh, running, uh, paying the cartels four or five or $10,000 a head to get into the country. And so obviously they're coming for the jobs that our own citizens who are on relief are not taking. Right. And it, so yeah. the whole thing's upside down. It is, yeah. And and the eight will either look like they're the smartest people in the room or they're going to be scapegoats. 
Yeah. Uh, hopefully they have a plan. It is, I, I looked beyond that too. I didn't think, yes, the, the media spun it as. Yeah, they don't Getz, have a plan. Getz, Getz didn't like McCarthy, so this was his, his opportunity. Okay. But yeah, guess, and maybe guess, that is a piece guess of what, I don't. Though? I almost don't care. It, fine. They don't like okay, each other. Okay, maybe. Okay, maybe. whatever. Well, um, they had enough votes to get him out. Yeah. McCarthy is gone. All the Democrats voted to throw Kevin McCarthy out, too. So there's so, something. What's with that? Well, he had a you deal. <laughs> this was funny. Remember when Kevin uh, McCarthy was uh, up for speaker back in January? <laughs> it seems like 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it does. Doesn't right? It? Yeah. And he had to go through 14 rounds of ballots yes, before was. he got approved. Right. He said in his farewell speech just a day ago, he said that Nancy Pelosi said, you know, put her arm around him kind of, you know, <laughs> and uh, figuratively and said, gee, Kevin, you know, why do you look so sad? What's the problem? He says, well, I got a problem with this Freedom Caucus. They want this amendment to our rules that just one member can put out a vote for vac- to vacate the speaker because they don't trust me. Okay. And she said, go ahead and... Because the Republicans only have a five-vote majority in the House. Nancy Pelosi told Kevin, and he said this in his speech, she said, go ahead and give it to them. Give them that, give them that thing where they can call for your head with just one vote and have uh, just mm-hmm. one person can call, make a motion, and then there's got to be this vote on whether to keep you or throw you out. She said, I've got your back. Huh. I've got your back. I'll come up with the five or 10 Democrat votes to vote for you. Hey, Brett, that did not happen, did it? it And what did did Kevin's replacement speaker do the next day? He threw Nancy Pelosi out of her hideaway Mm -hmm. office in Congress because she she didn't follow through on her commitment to Kevin McCarthy. Right, yeah. So, hey, hey, dude, you know, it's it's a big mess. It's chaos, fine. I want the chaos if it's going to result, Yeah. right? Yeah. Let the chaos, as you said, right. let the crisis yeah. be the occasion to start fixing some of this. Right, right. Well, and, and you so know, somebody, somebody is going to have to care. So Daniel Horowitz yes. in his column yesterday yeah. said, so the speak, we need to find a leader who cares more about the health of the country than he cares or she cares about being liked by the media and being and yes. being pointed at, oh, you shut down the government. That person's going to have to care less about their reputation and more about the country. And I wonder if that's the, what it's going to uh, take. It gets in the in the other seven or the you know, the eight that sort of thing. Um, we're surprised by the right leaning media outcry about it. I wonder if they were a little surprised about that. I wonder too. Right? You know, because it is it, it is unusual. And you know, in speaking of chaos. I don't know if you got to see the uh, half-hour fluff news conference bringing it back to Ohio with DeWine and Husted. I talking, did not. Go ta- ahead. Talking about when uh, you know, the last, the 11th hour of the change of Department of Education was f- converting into the new Department of Education. and um, With all those mega changes. Man. Right, with all the mega changes. And then, of course, uh, a local Franklin County, Ohio judge put a um, halt to that, at least a, you know, a three-prong halt of, of – I, I don't have the details in front of me. I'm going to speak in, uh, uh, off, my, off my brain power about you know, what they can't do. You yeah. know, but the beginning of that news – it was a half-hour news conference. 
And I caught it a day late. I, I missed the, the, the what day it was actually flipping over. And um, first thing out of DeWine's mouth is it, it's chaos. It's chaos. It's going to be chaos, and I have to step in. It's chaos. It's chaos. I have to step in because no one's going to get paid. Da 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 da. da, da, da. Just lots of different things. Yeah. And then as the news conference goes along, about fifteen minutes into it, you find out that people are going to get paid <laughs> because it, it's it's law that it has to transition into this. He said, "Now we're going to follow the three things that the judge says that we can't do, but." This yeah. is what we're going to do. Yeah, it was and an, then, an, an, an injunction. An injunction, like, thank like, you. Like a, a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. By, uh, I think, seven board members and somebody else that's like, yeah. hey, we don't want this to happen. It's like, okay, again, things don't happen until you do it at the 11th hour. It's, it's right. you know. Turns but, out Columbus has a swamp, too. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and and you know, just watching this conference, press conference, it was, it was almost a joke in the long run because um, it, it looked as though both Houston and DeWine needed to get on air to point out the seven and those seven are a pain in our ass. Wow. And, well, we're still going to do what we're going to do though. The judge says we can't yeah. do these three eight things, yeah. but we have to, but he started it off with chaos. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, if I don't come in, we have to do this for the kids. School boards aren't going to know what to do because of, 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 Oh, he had to bring in the school voucher thing. Yeah. Right. That, well, they won't know what to do with the school voucher right. thing and, because and there's, there's no a, one there. And there, of course, there's a lawsuit over that, yeah. too. There's a separate but, lawsuit but over the as it voucher ends, program. As the whole press conference ends, you can find out, it's like, well, the money's there. We're going to spend it. We you know, One question came up. It's like, okay, you are going to hire these people to be on, on the board. And uh, what's going to happen now? He says, well, uh, we were, yeah, yeah, we were close to hiring. Uh, thinking, you didn't hire them yet? Yeah. You didn't hire them yet, right. and it's going to start tomorrow. Right. And this was part of the yeah, uh, you, budget. You, yeah. This was part of the Ohio budget bill. Right. Exactly. And and, and what, what Brett's talking about, if you don't mind. You'll just, go for uh, it. Well, yeah. just, you're, just, you're more just, elegant with it. But just no, be, no, no. Just, just, more, just oh to summarize, God. so what the change, there's two mega changes in Ohio education, and they both, ha- they both came out of the budget process. Mm-hmm. And one was... Uh, that the Ohio Board of Education, which was partially appointed by the governor and partially elected by the, the, the people of Ohio, that it would have almost all its powers taken away. It will still exist, but basically it will exist just to create school districts mm-hmm. and to monitor, if you will, uh, border disputes between school districts and, th- and, and things like that. The Real power is going to shift to a brand new department of education under the governor and that there will be a director instead of the superintendent of education running everything via the board of education. Now it'll be a secretary, director, whatever, czar, whatever word you want to call it. But that person will be answering to the governor Mm -hmm. under this new structure and so that is the injunction that they put into place until that gets you know resolved in court by the Ohio Supreme Court ultimately right. and then the other big thing that happened that Brett mentioned is this you know basically the money is in your kids backpack and they can you will be given as if you're a parent uh, of a high school or elementary student you'll be given X amount of dollars and that will be able to be applied in a voucher, right? Not in cash, but that you will be able to spend that 
with a private school, a parochial school, a public school. Wherever you want your kid to go, you will have that portability that you'll have choice. It's school choice. And a lot of people think that that will make public education even better because, you know, the the city of Columbus schools, which is one of the lowest ranked uh, school districts in the state, and it's the largest as well, will we'll have to step up or they're going to lose population. Mm-hmm. And when they lose population, those teacher slots get reduced, right? Because right? right. you don't need the same number of teachers or administrators or bus drivers or cooks or any or janitors or anything else. If you have half your students walk to charter schools, private schools, parochial, wherever they Jewish, whatever you know kind of school they want, and they spend the voucher elsewhere, or they go to Upper Arlington, or they go to New Albany schools because they have that option too. Sure, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, and I, I think I've voiced this before. I'm not totally in love with this. With it. I, I don't see how it's going to play out to benefit all, but I also know that it could have some benefits in regards to looking at different school systems to make them run more efficiently. Because I, I, from what a comment that I've heard, I'm not going to mention the school district, but it's local I mean, here in the Columbus area that, you know, the administration is larger than the, the teaching staff. I believe it. Yeah. And so it can't be just that one that I've heard about. And that's true at a lot and, of and colleges. And it's usually, it's usually the school systems that have yeah. more than one high school. Let's and, put it that way. And so you yeah. look at it that way. So you're looking, yeah. you, you know, you can think about that. And I'm not going to point it out because I don't know specifics, I but I believe them. But that makes sense. I think that's true of Yale. Probably. I think I, probably I, think I read so. an article that Yale has more administrators. Yeah. Than it has professors. Professors. And, which and is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. What are they doing? Exactly. Honestly. Well, and then you also hear of the, <laughs> I don't know if it's a, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a, an urban myth or whatever you want to call it that, you know, the teachers that screw up end up getting kicked up to administration. Because they can't, so, they can't, firing them is so exactly. laborious, it's so costly. So if they get yeah. into some kind of right. sex scandal, and I'm not talking with students. Or just whatever. Talk, I'm talking, right. whatever yeah. it might yeah. be, it could be teacher with teacher yeah. kind of thing, or just they did something stupid. You know, they well, they call, can't fire, so they got to kick them up to administration. Or the other thing is, Brett, I've heard this, this term called a rubber room, mm. where what they do is they don't fire the teacher. They give the teacher some kind of rote assignment, like a... Uh, like put all the paperwork in the file cabinet in yeah. alphabetical order. And basically they're not teaching. So they're not, and they're not being fired. So there's still a debit on the budget sure. of the school district. So yeah. what, what a lot of us hope is I don't want bad public schools. No, I am not no. an enemy of public schools. Yeah. Okay. At all. Yeah. I'm not an enemy, but what I am a friend of is competition. And I think competition Imagine people if if the only grocery store was say Kroger, right? And I have nothing against Kroger. I worked for Kroger when I was in college, and Kroger's executives would love to have a monopoly, right? Oh my God! No, yeah. no giant uh, Eagle, no uh, Meyer, no Aldi, no Aldi. Oh you know, yeah. like if Kroger could just el- so that is what public schools have had. They've had a monopoly, right? Because. The entire state budget for education has gone to them. Now, for the first time, money out of the state budget is going to go to other schools, and the public school system is going to have to compete. And I think 
Some of those administrators and teachers at public schools are brilliant people. Mm -hmm. They are incredibly talented people. If they're not all bad, we can't broad brush them it's, as all terror. It's probably a very low percentage that it's, are. That's right. Very and, low percentage. And so I think what they're going to do, they're going to get teacher meetings together because they want to keep their jobs. They're motivated personally, but they're also professionally. Most of these teachers really give a damn about the students. Yes, they do. And they're going to say, okay, we keep failing these students because of these idiotic tests or these inadequate preparation regimes or it could be mom and pop not supporting not supporting them so we need home. to take a look at exactly. what, what's going on in our culture right. here a lot right. many, lots many of layers things. lots of layers i mean after all they're feeding these kids in some schools three meals a day right because they can't get a good breakfast typical school lunch that always was served and then some of these kids aren't getting dinner right so you think they have a place to go do homework so no public school is feeding them some of these kids, three squares and babysitting them after latchkey program. Right. So I get it. I yep. get it. Yeah. But they need to step up. They need to regain the confidence of the, of the public student population of, of the parents that are still sending their kids there. And I think they'll do it. I think when they look at that, they're going to go extinct unless they improve. Those are smart people. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. They will become as good as the private sector schools, in my opinion. And there's, well, take Upper Arlington Public Schools. It's a showcase. Take um, uh, take Walnut Hills Public mm -hmm. Schools in Cincinnati, and I'm sure up in like Mentor, Ohio. I bet that I bet I don't know this at all, but I'll bet in that ritzy neighborhood. Those are probably damn good public schools. Probably so. Right. Probably so. Right. Yeah. yeah. And some of those parents, they want their kids to go to Upper Arlington or, or Walnut Hills or Mentor, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are fantastic schools. Yeah. So they won't go to private or parochial schools in many cases. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, quickly, I wanted – this is kind of a PSA. Um, the warning period is over. Ticketing – for oh, Ohio's the, new texting law. Yeah, the cell it's, phone thing. It's yeah. in play. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you got pulled over for a warning, um, yeah, first violation's up to $150, buck, $150 fine, and two points on your license. So now they're they're, they're not compelled to give you a warning. It's, it, you're just going to get a citation. You're going to get hit. Second violation, uh, within two years, up to $250 fine and three points on your license. Third, within two years, 500 fine, four points, and a 90-day suspension. So, don't text and drive. Now, what you can do, now the law does have several exceptions to it. You can, drivers reporting an emergency can legally hold their phone. Drivers can legally still hold their phone to their ear. Drivers can hold their phone to slide, push, and accept or decline a call. Drivers can hold their phones if they are parked or at a red light. And I think. So you still can do things, just don't be. And I think. Uh, navigate right is Nav that is that navigate probably so yeah exactly so, you know you know so if you don't have if you don't have a phone holder in your phone in your car <laughs> get a phone holder get, that's right. on the dash and or then connect it up to the the entertainment thing right. just make sure you get that phone out of your hand bottom line yeah, saves bottom, yeah i mean you know without the one or two exceptions right. so you could still slide it over yes you know to to, just, to and then put but then you put it in the cradle yeah the the go. funny thing about all this right is that there's a thing where people are tinting their windows now. So I don't even know how the cop, I don't, 
that's true. I don't even know how the cops. I, and, good and, point. And, you know, and, and, and the policeman he pulls up next to you, he or she, they're going to look over. Are they going to know? You know, are, oh, is he dialing for an emergency? Yeah, or is he, I know. <laughs> come I know. on. I, well, if nothing else, you're going to get pulled over in the, in the questioning, and the yes. a, and the anal probe goes on. <laughs> Do you really want to go through the anal probe and, then, and have to, you know, have to really right. deal with that? Where that <laughs> officer could be doing something much more well, important. It, it is important. You need to get off your phone. And and I mean, I'm guilt, we're all guilty of it at certain points. We, I, we, we, we I, catch I, ourselves going, "Damn it, I'm, get off this." Hey, Brad, I'll just throw this out there. This is one of those that. Unless the police officer has some other reason to sort of, I think Steve mentioned, this will be used to hassle people that yeah. they already want to yeah. hassle. That, yeah. Like, like it's going to be, it's yeah. going to be the. He, he sees the future much better on that stuff. Well, it's going to be it. the yeah. occasion to pull somebody over like, oh, yeah. I think this guy's a drug dealer, right? I'm profiling him. I think this guy's a drug dealer or he's a pimp or he's something else. And I see him on his phone. Yeah. Hot damn. Now I can pull him over yeah. because I can't catch him on the other stuff. Yeah. And maybe he's got evidence in the car. Yeah. Because once you pull somebody over, then you can do the full, mm-hmm. oh, well, let's see what else. I smell a little pot in here. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, especially with the, yeah, yeah, the combination of a lot. Of you know, the, the other thing about, about, about driving, right? All these modern cars now have this gibostic display mm-hmm. that controls your air conditioning, your in-car entertainment, yeah. all these other functions of your car are now on a finger touch screen for many of these cars. So that if you want the air conditioning on, you got to find the snowflake icon, <laughs> right? Now, now you talk true, about true. distracted driving, yes. right? So, so in a way, the cell phone's like the least of it. I, I'm thinking Now you've got too. people leaning over to the middle of the car to look at their dashboard. Yeah. To, to, to turn on the wipers or, or to, to flip, you know, go through how to be multiple screens. You have right. to get through to get to the icon. And meanwhile, they're going to sail up the end of, I, a, I agree. of I think, a tractor trailer. I, I think that entertainment center right there is even more distracting. Yeah. It can be at least because you're into it going to go, I hit the wrong thing. Because yeah. I even hooked mine up thinking, okay, I know this is going to turn into law eventually. I've got to get my, my phone at least Bluetoothed. So it mirrors yeah, the entertainment right. center mirrors my phone because right. that's where all the action's happening is on my phone. Not to check text, but it's that okay, all my entertainment stuff, my podcast yeah. or Sirius right. XM or something right. like that is on there that I want what's through my phone versus what I'm getting off of a satellite. Right. And that sort of thing. So you know, I'm set to go, but it's still you're right. It's a huge well, distraction. Well think of cars. Cars used to have tactile knobs and switches. And you could be going down the road, and after a few months of owning the car, you would know, without looking, you would know where the radio dial is mm-hmm. oh, and, yeah. and where the blower knob is to turn up the air conditioning. Well, when you had the five push buttons for the uh, preset radio, yeah, you knew number five was and, the what station. Literally well, pushing this button in. And wouldn't even have to look. I know. You could just oh, yeah. tactile. You could feel it. And, then, and That and, was a badge of honor. You, you could. Well, and and a lot, and then before airbags, re, people might not remember. Before airbags, there used to be a lot of these controls right on the steering wheel. Uh-huh. Well, now with the airbag blowing up in your face, yeah. you can't have the radio controls in right. your. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I whole s- thing's a mess. I know because I, I saw a meme recently going: <laughs> if you want to stop, if you want to stop people from texting using their smartphone, make every car a manual drive. <laughs> your them, hands are too busy. busy keep them busy it's like I, I that, that's I, a good point i think i heard where we're down to like five percent of new car sales maybe seven percent 
our uh, stick shift. Stick shift, yeah. Everything. You put everything that. stick. Yeah. You have no hands to mess with the phone. And now I, I, that that's that. that well, and now yeah. and now a lot of cars. Uh, I mean, they're like ten speed automatic transmission. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. it's off, and some are continuously variable transmission, mm-hmm. which means it's it's like um, it's like your kid's uh, jitney at home where you just have a pulley and a belt drive system and the pulley gets wider and skinnier based on the speed that you're going. So it has like innumerable <laughs> ratios instead of like a three speed or a 10 speed. Hmm. So we're, we're entering into uh, a yeah. crazy town. Yeah. Well, let me hit, let me hit Harper one more time for a sponsor. I want to do Norm's nuggets before we get out of here. I, I just have yeah. a couple. Yeah. That's cool. Let, let me yeah. say Harper. Thanks again, Harper and company CPAs for sponsoring the show. Harper CPA plus. Dot com. Go over there if you and use them. They, they, they will help your business grow. Bottom line, or at least they're going to give you a different look at how you look at your business and um, uh, it gets you where you want to go. HarperCPAplus.com. Go for it. Um, I think, uh, so I want to preview future mm-hmm. discussions yeah. without getting into it because they're gigantic. Right. Um, we are one month away from Ohioans uh, going to the polls for those that haven't already voted. Um with uh, absentee ballots, but we, Ohioans are going to vote on abortion on demand, and they're going to vote on recreational marijuana. I I read a study that said one out of every seven Americans now, uh, roughly around fifty-seven million, which is one seventh, roughly of the population, regularly smokes marijuana. One out oh. of seven. Oh, so. Okay, folks, <laughs> we, 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 you know, these are two giant things that are about to happen. We're only a month out. Um, I am certain that this show is going to get into the ins and outs of both of those issues that are going to be on the Ohio ballot. So fasten your seatbelts and stay tuned. And do some research on your own, too. Oh, absolutely. Look at, look, there's a lot of really yeah. good stuff out there to, to do the. What what which direction you should go with this? Just Absolutely, do some research. Do some research, yeah, and also you know, um, check your value system. Uh, yes, whatever it, your value which, system is, you need to consult. Sure. You know what you think is right, what you think is wrong, right? And Correct. we'll we'll say no more, yeah, because yeah, because <laughs> it's just a giant topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I think is curious, and this, I mean. This, this is hot right now, so, you know, people will be seeking their own sources of news on this. But it is incredible that this administration, which came in, and talking about President Biden, came in and stated flat out that they weren't going to build another foot <laughs> of Southern Wall, right? Has, I, I mean, it's minuscule, but they are, they have... They have budgeted and are commencing construction on 20 miles of additional uh, border wall. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's the money spent. Yeah. I have to. I have to. Just I forget have to. it. I'm, it's done. <laughs> Which you is know. the most incredibly, <laughs> it's such bullshit. Yeah, like, you know, come on, President Biden. I mean, you know, you you, you've it, been in office for three years. He didn't want it, you to cut it off. Election, yeah. Elections rolling around soon, and uh, you need to posture that you're going to do something because Bill Clinton came out and Obama, they're all telling him you've got to do something about the border. Mm. And yet uh, after calling Trump a Nazi and Hitler, and I mean, they threw everything at Trump, but he was, uh, what did they call it? A, a vanity. 
called it they called it a vanity uh, medieval uh, wall. I think is what Kamala Harris called it, that, that, that Trump was building the wall f- like for his own vanity's sake. And after all of these put-downs about the wall, right, it, I find it incredibly ironic. And, and I mean, obviously, it's, it's shocking to the body politic that Biden is now going to continue, at least in some minuscule way, Trump's wall. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's I mean, we need more like, you know, a thousand more miles of it, not 20 miles. But yeah, but yeah, I, I just, I, I thought his comment was. It's, it's off the hook. Yeah, I, 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 have to spend, I have to spend it, so leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Where's well, my dog? Where's Commander? Uh, right, exactly. But <laughs> oh, he's is. off biting it's, somebody. Yeah, it yeah. Is, is what it is, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back at Delaware. Yeah. Because he's not at the White House anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh if you uh, want to get in contact with us, you know, go to commonsenseohioshow.com. All of our contact information is there. If you want to be around the roundtable, have a discussion with us in regards to your point of view on something, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, you just contact, contact us through there. We have a seat at the table uh, almost every time until we bring in some guests, which uh, we're lining them up right now. But commonsenseohioshow.com for more information. And we, uh, uh, until our next episode, we will talk to you then.